0: Hi everybody. Uh welcome to the ex- latest episode of uh, Dr Doom and um today is very exciting. We mentioned it last week uh that we'd be having a chat with Ollie Clark from Modern Dream and he has uh joined us. So say hello Ollie. Good evening. Good evening. look at that. He's a natural. Oh. <laughs> and and uh, I am joined by the ever present Mr Toby Rutter. Uh, hello <laughs> um, and uh and this has been described uh by my wife as the whitest podcast ever made um so that's before anything even starts so i dread to think um me and toby normally go into tunnex tea cakes at some point during the conversation so um let's let... cravings. <laughs> um, but yeah so um you know um so probably the best way to start this, Ollie, is it, can you can you give us a little introduction to what L.A. Cops is?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, if you're not aware of it, L.A. Cops is a top-down shooter. Uh, it's got a uh, kind of a pop art art style, and if you're familiar with the Beastie Boys' Sabotage video, you basically looked at that and thought, that would make a really cool video game. Let's do that.
0: And let's be honest, if you haven't seen that video, let's get YouTubing it, because it's a bloody awesome video. Um, it is. And, probably um, linked
2: below.
0: <laughs> yes, probably linked below. Um, so yeah, so this is something um, that that I first kind of got my hands on uh, over uh, at Comic Con down in London, um, and um, I believe that Toby has been has been doing his
2: homework. I, I've done a little bit of homework, not as much homework as I've liked. I have played it a little bit. Um, is that because of Dota? I'm gonna say not entirely to me, mainly because of work, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no,
0: so you know, one of the first things that struck me was obviously you you mentioned the art style, and it's it's one of those it's it's one of those kind of games that you you stop when you walk past it. You know, it has a very striking art style, Um, and and I think um, there's clear kind of inspiration in there from kind of late '80s, early '90s uh, kind of cop dramas. Is is that something that you've? uh, that you, did you study a lot of kind of TJ Hooker?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, definitely. A lot of Columbo as well, actually. Was, nice. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of inspiration from that show. Cagney and Lacey, of course. Nice.
0: Did you, did you get in William Shatner for motion capture? Even oh. if you didn't, can you say
1: you did? Well, yeah, yeah he's a little out of the budget. <laughs> so.
2: I'm not sure if there's any kind of copyright laws that being infringed by falsely claiming to have Shatner as your mo character actor.
0: He denied it. It's no. fine. <laughs>
1: if you watch it. He's he's not the most um, elegant bonnet slider. No. In the genre. He That's does. True. He did struggle a bit getting over those bonnets.
0: Well, it's it's not it's not kind of a, a commonly known fact, but he was actually 136 when they started filming TJ. So <laughs> he's quite nimble for his age. Um, <laughs> but no, so you know, so um, I, I think you know one one of the one of the things that kind of struck me was that. I mean, it reminded me of Syndicate. That was the kind of the from a gameplay perspective. That was the kind of um, the ga- the game that it reminded me of most. Um, but then, if it had kind of a super awesome baby with Hotline Miami, um, I mean, what what was the kind of inspiration behind the behind the gameplay? Was was there was there a moment when you thought this game has to happen and it has to you know feel like this, or you know, what was the genesis yeah. of that?
1: So I mean, uh. I, uh, one of my first computers was an Amiga, and the games on there were, well, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with them. There are games like Cannon Fodder and Syndicate, which mm. uh, were great games, top-down shooters, uh, had uh, really fine controls. And then a couple of years ago, I saw Hotline Miami and thought, wow, this is, I've forgotten how good these kind of games are. And that that was kind of the, the kernel of the inspiration for the gameplay design, at least. mm and um just started to try and make it in 3D and we thought that would be an interesting challenge. Um now I mean those games were made in 2D. Uh, we thought All right let's try and do it in 3D. Mm-hmm. And uh it, it, it was it was pretty freaking hard. I I don't think uh, we realized how challenging <laughs> it was going to be. Uh, particularly to have a character that can move in any direction and look in any direction. That mm-hmm. took a long long while to work out but uh mm-hmm. you know we managed it. Glad we managed it.
0: Yeah and and I think you know the the fluidity of the, of the controls is something that was that was very apparent very quickly um and and i think it has kind of um so so to me the one thing that that uh, to- toby and i've discussed in the past is with, with hotline miami it it's so ferociously quick it's you know that that it's it's it, it's kind of blink and you'll miss it whereas so cannon mm-hmm. fodder was one of my favorite games on the amiga um, and had the greatest theme tune ever um with war has never been not, so much fun now it went Um, it's uh, are you trying to get me to i i will sing i will quite happily sing sing it it went war has never been so much fun war has never been so much fun dying in your uniform (laughs) dying in your son but yeah so that was uh how did i forget that (laughs) i think i think it was probably until you heard me sing it in my in my dulcet tones i think there's a single in there somewhere but um yeah. but no so you know with with la cups it had that kind of slightly slower tone it had that more strategic element so i think you know there, there was um with hotline miami there there was a level of strategy but it was kind of more twitch based it was it was kind of hellishly quick um and, you know, I, I think what I liked about it was uh, LA Cops. you know, fr- from what I've played, it rewards
2: accuracy, but it also r- rewards strategy. It felt more in, felt more in yeah. keeping with the theme, to me. You know, it, it mm-hmm. felt like a pair you know, a, a cop duo entering, you know, a building filled with, you know, the kind of the robber style, cops and robbers sort of feel, rather than the kind of crazed madman just running through. Mm-hmm. It, kind of, it felt much more in keeping with the, the theme that you've obviously laid out mm-hmm. in the game. It's called the gameplay
1: that reflects that. Yeah, we're certainly going for that. Um, you wanted something of. Um, I really liked, um, you know, you talk about the controls in the game. I always used to play, well, I still do play um, first person shooters. Uh, and I like them. I like What I like about them is their responsiveness. You can mm. The game it doesn't limit how fast you can play it. So I, I like that aspect of Hotline Miami. But as you say, it's incredibly unforgiving. Mm. So to have an aspect of the gameplay where if you think, and then play well. I think that's doubly rewarding.
0: Yeah, and and I think as well that, that it removes it removes the level of um, of so I get very frustrated when I play games. It's, it's one of my kind of big frustrations. Is I don't mind being punished by a game as long as I feel like it's my fault. No matter how difficult it is, um, you know, as long as 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 long as essentially I'm being beaten because someone or the AI is better than me, I'm fine with that. Uh, whereas with with Hotline Miami, I loved the game, but there were these kind of random moments of frustration where it was just like you know that somebody would spot you from halfway across a room that hadn't spotted you, kind of walk in and stab his friend, but then, but then all of a sudden when you go to pick up the gun that's like ten feet in the other direction, he spots you and you know shoots you, and it, it there seemed to be kind of a, a random element. But it was, I I loved the game, but LA cops you know even though I am aware that it's early access it doesn't have that level of kind of random um you know random unforget there's occasional bits but it's you seem to have kind of thought about that a lot more the the kind of you know like you say it it rewards you for for stopping and thinking uh, which is which is nice mm-hmm. um the the one question that I wanted to ask Ollie was at what point did you decide to have two protagonists?
1: Um, right from the beginning, really, really? Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was something. It's that is part of a cop show, isn't it? You have you have partners working together to, to tackle a level, and that was one of the attractions to do it. I think so. Mm-hmm. We always wanted to have multiple players, and uh, it's worth saying that our uh, uh, Alana, she's been working on the feature to control your partner. So, for example, you have your cursor that you can position around the screen. You can mm-hmm. now right click, and your partner will go to that point. So it means mm-hmm. that. You can both tackle a room at the same time. We're really excited about getting that into a into a future update. Mm. No, I'm, really, really, I'm really looking forward to that because that was one thing I noticed when I was playing
2: when I was playing in the beta uh, in the AX version I was using was it was very much like okay that's my kind of second life you know I can get halfway up the level because I, I I tended to stay as one as one of the detectives until I died which is probably not the best thing I, know. I probably should be being able to use both kind of in tandem mm. yeah obviously the is the dream yeah. Um,
0: and in, so, um, one of the things that I'm quite interested in is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this has been developed for uh, iOS as well. Yeah. Um, and how how does that kind of translate across into um, into a touch interface?
1: Um, that's that is a good question. We spent a long time working on the controls for that, and uh, I have to send you a, an invite to the to, to the test flight to to play a build of it because what we've done is we have a lock on system. Uh, We looked at dual sticks. We looked Mm. at auto fire. We found that what you want is for a player's intention, for a player to look at a level and say, I know how I want to play this level, and for Mm. them to be able to do it. But then you don't want to dumb it down to the point where it's auto fire, as Mm. some iOS games have done. So Mm. we found that the the most fun way to play it on iOS is with a a lock-on button that uh, you can tap on who you want to shoot at, where you just lock on and you alternate between the targets. And then you choose, and then you get ready to bust in the room and take them out.
0: Yeah. So is is that in kind of a similar way to uh, Bastion um, when they, because I know they that was kind of a dual stick shooter, and then when they when they moved across to iOS, one of the things they did was like that auto lock on thing, um, which was which worked really well.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, it almost made a completely different game when you're playing on iOS compared to when you're playing on PC. Yeah, and, and, and so- that was kind of without without dumbing it down. It just changed the experience, and that was quite interesting because it meant that because I actually played on both. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to you know, to try playing LA Cops in both, and whether I find that having the, the platform then is offering something kind of unique in its experience, because it's, it's slightly different. Um,
0: and I think it's nice as well as um, you know to hear that you know you guys and and everyone at Kind of Modern Dream is is doing that. Um, I think now what's so nice in in that in that development process for for iOS and for, well for Android and you know whatever tablet device or touchscreen device. Is that people seem to be augmenting games rather than just kind of bastardizing them and throwing them into another, you know, onto another platform. They, they seem to be really trying to consider the user interaction and the kind of, well, and, and the user experience and, and trying to cater to that. So it's really nice to hear that there's, there's kind of a bespoke system in place.
1: Yeah, we've been we've been really lucky. We've been um, lucky enough to work with the guys at Player Research. who do really good usability testing, and they're a really nice bunch of guys. Mm. And they've already been giving us feedback on that. I, I, uh, I'm sure they would say themselves that you can't go, you can't put a game out these days without it being user tested. In that mm. you can't just guess what the player's going to do. You have to understand and. Uh, um, I mean, there are, there are tried and tested ways of doing it now, which guys like Player Research understand, and they will find the issues and help you address them so that it means that everyone can have a great time playing the game, and that's really important now, I think.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I think as well, you know, the, the one thing that I, I was really encouraged to see is, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong with this, but, um, you know, see, seeing you kind of go Steam Early Access, because, c- I mean, when, when I first approached this game, it, it feels right on that kind of PC setup, um and it's it's nice to see it's nice to see so many indies really kind of pushing through steam because i think steam's such a such a wonderful platform for people to do that um and you know going the kind of early access route and getting all that getting all that feedback getting a kind of community and getting a tribe together and um but also i think you know it's nice to see that it's not an afterthought to kind of do a so-
1: the way I think of it now is like a, a restaurant hmm. in that you want your players to come in, sit down and you want them to order what they're going to play and then play it. And then if they're not if they're not happy, with, you have to do something about it. You can't just say, well, you just didn't get the game. You have to say, what didn't you like? And try and understand that and do it better.
0: Yeah. And, and Otherwise, it on, think... come back. Yeah, and and also, you know, I think the the thing that I I find so fascinating about about that process is that when you allow people to access something early, there's this really weird thing that happens where they take complete ownership of something. Yeah, and you almost have to be careful because they, um, you know, I I've talked to a few indie developers that have said like, our our fans have become too vocal and too defensive <laughs> and like they had to kind of get in touch with them and say like whilst I love your support and th- you know th- thank you for that please you know please don't berate <laughs> journalists people who don't or... like our games yeah, yeah, <laughs> the websites oh, I see I see yeah
1: that, I guess that's something I hadn't really considered it's not something I've had to contend with yet I hope that, that doesn't happen because uh, you know, people love games and we all like to talk about them and stuff and mm. everyone's entitled to their own opinion mm. but uh, it is it is great to have people who really care about what you're doing and be able to talk to them and, and uh, build that relationship. And sort of, uh, uh, I think one of the worst things to do is um, tell a player they're going to get one thing and then give them another, even yeah, if you think yeah. that thing is better. It's, it's terrible to give them something that they're not expecting, and that yeah. does tend to happen. Early access means we can we can manage that. We can put the game out and say, okay, this is what we're thinking. What are you thinking? And, and work it out. And people told us it was going to be really risky. Doing early access and it, it is, it is very risky. Uh, but I, I don't see how you can't do it, really. I think you have to do it. I think you have I, to get your game out there and respond to your players
2: on that sort of early access and the, the kind of the risk involved at the moment, um, just based on what I've seen over probably over the last year. And and it's a real shame because I think I've been quite vocal in the past and said, like I think early access is a fantastic thing, you know, it, all, for all the reasons you've already mentioned. Um, it's just been a real shame because. Sort of like Kickstarter, I've seen a bit of an early access bubble kind of happen and already burst because certain you know people have abused it or yeah. have gone to it with the wrong ideas and and projects have been um, just kind of halting yeah. their development and that's kind of caught like you know it leaves a bad taste in the community's mouth. And to be fair, people had got to be aware that you're paying for you're paying for what is there now. You yeah. can you can't be sure that you're going to get any more than that. Obviously, a a responsible developer shouldn't be using it as their sole means of trying to continue their entire development. You're you're using early access for the access of players to give you the feedback to your game and make your game better. You're not using it as a way of trying to fund your game, which I think is a mistake that quite a lot of people do. They they, they go to it with, with the idea of it being a funding model.
0: Yeah, and I think so often, you know, get. I mean, I've I've been a victim of uh, of a few games that that I've that I've got through early access, and instead of <clears throat> instead of it being kind of an, an iterative process where you're getting a smaller part of of a, of a kind of whole gameplay loop, or you know, there there is a complete gameplay loop there that you're you're having that kind of um, whether it's an aspect experience. of the game. Yeah, there is there is a game there. I think you know a couple of the games that I've bought it's just been like well this is just a broken game this is this is pre alpha it's kind of most basic you know the, the, there's and i think you know that like you're saying that there are there are uh, there are definitely people who have and i wouldn't necessarily say it's it's exploited it um because i, I don't think it was done with with the intention yeah, with of kind intent, of no no yeah. But I, I think it's more a case of they and I, I also think a lot of people just want, you know, a big thing with creative people is they want as many people as soon as possible to get hold of things. Like it's why all the creative people I, I have ever worked with um, are always showing you things. Like my <laughs> my dad calls it creative show and tell because, you know, people always, creative people always want to show a work in progress, what they're working on. I think maybe yeah. maybe the the problem is, is especially when, Studios have so so. If you look at the Minecraft model, they started off with with the lower price point, and then it increased as they went through development. the The opposite of that has happened in recent years, where we've seen games start at a hundred pounds for early access, and it kind of getting lower and lower and lower. And that's a weird phenomenon. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember because that was the model that Uber did on their Kickstarter. Tariff was that you got earlier access to the game if you pledged more money, um, and then there was the big controversy when. In fairness, I agreed with what they did because when they started going to, to to put their early access models available through Steam, they made sure that the price points reflected what the people who pledged for it paid, so that they weren't undercutting people who already pledged for the for it. But people didn't seem to understand that, and they were like, "Well, why are you charging more than you're going to charge at release?" For me to get the game right now, I don't understand they were getting really angry and Uber received a load of flack for it, when in reality they did set their price point. They don't necessarily agree that it was the right way to do it, initially having that pay more money um, kind of alpha pledge thing on Kickstarter. But at least they didn't then go, oh, we're going to lower it now and then undercut all those people who already kind of giving you money. Mm. Mm. But there's a lot of, it's a bit of a minefield. it <laughs> is. Start it of, is.
1: But I think it's it's just really important to talk to your players directly and mm. understand what they want and give it to them and, and just work on that with them and build build a build a relationship of trust. I think uh, you're right. A lot of developers have been unscrupulous and ripped people off, quite frankly. Mm. Uh, but it, it it has made it harder for you know uh, people like us who are trying to do it the right way. But I don't think we can afford not to do it.
0: Yeah, and and I think weirdly so i i mean the internet is is a horrific place in a lot of ways but the but the weird thing is is that when companies are honest and open and genuinely honest and open and developers and you know whoever it is and they 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 do want that conversation they are they are embraced by you know by a community and and you know what i, I always describe it as I, I watched a ted talk about about building your tribe you know in kind of a social networking sense and weirdly that that's kind of what happens um and but i do think that that so often um what happens is people give the impression and want to give the idea that they're open to you know open to feedback and and just don't listen to it and don't respond to it um Mm -hmm. and and i think that's kind of the most dangerous thing um but um yeah so so well Back to, back to, <laughs> whilst, whilst we trudge off through the uh, the mire of Kickstarters. Um, but no, so, so, you know, you, you talked about um, the the kind of designing for two platforms. Was was that something, you know, it's something that I've always been interested in when, when developing for two platforms? Was it something that you started from, from the ground up? Did you have criteria as to, you know, how how those interactions work? that that gave you kind of a a foundation to build on multiple platforms or was it something that just kind of working in tandem through an iterative design process that that kind of
1: led to, to those results? Um, Yeah. You always have an idea. I think at the beginning, you sort of think, I know how this part's going to work, I know how these features are going to fit together. But then, of course, you do uh, an iteration over uh, a week, a month, two months, and you go, oh, actually, none of that works. We've got to do it this way. Mm. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of failing at the beginning, and it's, it's really hard. I always think of the beginning of a project as like a big square concrete block that you've somehow got to get rolling. And the only <laughs> way to do it is to start pushing and then when you get it over once, then that's that's chipped off a little at the corners. Then you do it again, it's chipped off a little more. And then after a while, it gets rolling. And uh, mm. as you go through a project, eventually, like where we are now with LA COPS, we're rolling. We, mm. we know what we're doing. We've just got to see how fast we can click and click a mouse and tap on a keyboard.
2: <laughs> and was the initial plan to do two platforms from the very beginning?
1: Or was that a... We always uh, wanted to do multiple platforms, yeah. Because, mm. yeah. Uh, um, I'm
2: wrong, uh, what was... What was um, with the Button Affair and Capital Milk, were they
1: released on more than just iOS? No, they were um, PC only. Well, we did Button Affair on GameStick, actually. That went down pretty off. well. Uh, we did that for the experience, um, to work it out, just go through the QA process, that kind of thing, submissions, hmm. work with new hardware, um, to, just to prove it out. And... Yeah, it's. I, I just think people these days, you don't know where they're going to play. They can play anywhere they like, and you mm. kind of want to make sure that they can play where they choose to play. So mm. again, it's it's just giving them what they want.
0: And so, so you know, talking about giving people what they want, are, are there any kind of you've talked uh, about the the idea of kind of commanding uh, your your counterpart, as it were. What's the is that is that the feature you're most looking forward to, or is there anything else you can tell us about that's kind of just just beyond the horizon that we can look forward to?
1: I think the uh, controlling two cops is the is the one I'm most looking forward to because mm. it it ends the whole you know there's that phrase tactical shooter it mm. does definitely bring that tactical issue to it and we're just implementing it now and trying to balance it. Uh, I, I think it will it will add a lot to the game and I'm hoping that we can build on that kind of mechanic in future games and have. Multiple um, characters that you control. I mean, you see how um, in South Korea they play Starcraft, and it's it's just a wonder to behold. I'd love to make a game that, that's that zen, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so you you basically want to make like an actions per minute training simulation. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm I, so always just baffled by those that must say <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
0: Yeah. <laughs> But I think you know, so so it's something quite interesting. So uh, T- Toby and I uh, a couple of weeks back discussed Dota, um, and you know it, it's something that I find quite quite interesting. Is this 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 idea that that strangely, and you know, th- this is opening up a can of worms, but that that gamers are beginning to, you know, like you say, that kind of Zen idea of of kind of uh, you know controlling multiple units, or, or you know, in the case of Dota, kind of using using one unit as as the arbiter of of fate for you, you know for many um yeah. but but i think that idea of um of doing very complex actions but y- using quite a elegant and simple control you know con- control scheme i mean people would probably argue with me that that starcraft has quite a complex control scheme in some ways but when you think of the the complexity of the actions that that the players are performing, I think you know what I really like the idea of instead of a game being about how quickly and how often I can press buttons and how quickly I can respond to something it's it's that it becomes like how how quickly I can think and respond, and that you know the the controller or the keyboard or the mouse becomes quite simply. You know, a delivery mechanism and it's not a barrier because I, I think that's something that you know in strategy games I, i've i've felt uh especially you know i'm thinking of kind of some of the hideously complex strategy games like dwarf fortress god what was i doing um <laughs> wait where...
1: you're right on the money it's mm. it's like the mouse and keyboard disappear entirely they just become a means of you expressing yourself in, in the game. And I, mm. I think Counter-Strike is... Do you remember when you first picked up Counter-Strike and you realized that you couldn't hold down the button to shoot? You yeah, actually had yeah. to do it in bursts and self-discipline. An enemy comes around and you want to hold the button down and just spray him, but that is the last thing you have to do. So you have to master that self, mm. self-discipline. self You have to be self-disciplined enough to do, do it in bursts Yeah. and uh, that kind of experience. Mm.
0: And,
2: and I think... Thing, you know, sorry, go on, oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, the thing about that I love is that you sort of you've highlighted a couple of games where the fact that they have steep learning curves or or have late game a, a huge amount that you can learn about a game to a uh, kind of a higher competitive level shows that people aren't people aren't averse to to the, to the challenges and I think that's really encouraging that you know a game can be a game can be challenging but as long as it's kind of accessible at a at a level where you can get into it. Um, it, it can be a really good experience no matter how kind of punishing it is to learn everything that you need to learn to play the game at a high level. Um, and I think it's really interesting because especially when you have multiplayer experiences where there's so much strategy going on, I think if people really, really continue to embrace that, we're going to see some really interesting games in the future.
1: So, of yeah, those kind of systems. Yeah, it seems like we've gone through a phase of games being dumbed down mm. to the point where they're just so easy to play that they're just inherently boring. Yeah, And, and it's... I've been really happy with the response to LA Cops, and it's a hard game. It's not ridiculously hard, but it is a hard game. But people really like that. They like that challenge. Yeah, mm. yeah people don't shy away from it, I and think it, that's it, really it, not important.
0: And the wonderful thing is, is so like I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Dark Souls and Demon Souls and those kind of games. And it, it's funny because I, I think you know th- this is, um, this is where it's a byproduct of, like you say, it's a response to the the casual the kind of rise of casual gaming and i think weirdly what's happened is because because gaming has become um accessible to a much wider audience all the kind of old school gamers that i know the kind of true gamers have kind of gone well that's not us you know kind of run away with with these hideously complex games like you know demon souls and um and, and that seems to be the response to that but i think this kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier in that to me uh Gamers, gamers don't mind playing difficult games as long as they know that it's their fault that they're failing, or that they're Absolutely. you know it's That's their the fault. It. Yeah, and, and and I think you know so I think often so often uh, you know I I love games that are easy to get into that I have that kind of instant reward, but are difficult to master. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things like that, that you know that really struck me with with La Cups was and it's something that I, I'd I, you know, kind of love to talk to you about, is the destructibility of the environment. So even if you're terrible, you feel like you're having an impact in the game, <laughs> even if it is just tearing yeah. an office apart. Um, that has quite an interesting kind of very visceral, very instant feedback. I, yeah.
1: also, uh, I think that's... Oh, sorry, continue, Ollie. No, no, I was just going to say it's... Uh... That was something you really wanted to get across in the game right from the beginning, that there's an environment when you start shooting, it, it's not the same. And uh, uh, I guess I, I kind of wish we'd been able to push that further in the the amount of destruction that's in there. But mm. um, I think it's just the gameplay comes first and the visuals mm. always come second to the gameplay. But uh, it would be nice if we can, and perhaps not in this game, but in a future one, just get it to that point where the room is entirely wrecked and everything is destroyed. But uh, mm um we'll see how we go
0: was that constraints in the engine as well because i know kind of destructibility uh, just in case anybody's wondering this is going to get really geeky now so i'm just (laughs) i'm telling people now we're going to start doing
2: my low-level tech (laughs) (laughs) um
1: yeah yeah partially it was technical limitation but really it's gameplay i mean uh, we're, we're dealing with pistols and pistols don't tend to blow up rooms um interestingly Whoa. what they do not do <laughs> I,
0: I was brought up on john wu don't tell me that yeah
1: <laughs> yeah there's always something that explodes in the room and that's what but interestingly like john wu films the, the guns he shoots when he puts the guns firing there's a lot of smoke that comes out a shotgun produces a lot of smoke in his films yeah uh, which uh, something i'd like to like to get into yeah LA <laughs>
0: Just John Woo mode would be great. Can we just have a, a sideways jump through a door? That's that's all I ask for. Yeah. yeah. And and a mode where awesome. we have to hold, hold a baby. Um, yeah. That, that yeah. would be kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and we could call it hard boiled mode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> this is what
2: happens when you go early access. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> do it. You have to do it.
0: Yeah. So, you, go, no, you, so, 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 you know, I, I think that. You know, it's nice to hear you as well, you know, saying that the gameplay is is king, you know, is, is the kind of key focus. Because I think, and it's it's interesting because, it, again, you know, talking about kind of movements within the industry, it's one thing that I'm really proud of the games industry for is that for so long it was about pushing graphical boundaries and, and, and it was just, you know, how to make something, you know, more and more and more and more photorealistic. And I love the fact that, like, so to me, the um, the best the best game experience I had on the previous generation of console was Journey. Ah, oh,
2: yeah. Um, yeah.
0: and and you know, it, it's just so nice seeing so many developers looking at gameplay and art style, and you know, and not just kind of pushing polys basically. Mm.
2: Well, I think that's something that um, that really stands out for me, Faraway for Copters, because you know. It's kind of mentioned, you know, saying gameplay is king, but saying gameplay is king at the same time as having a really, really stylized, a really stylistic, you know, beautiful, artistic mm-hmm. game, and there's that kind of realization that it, it isn't about the number of triangles you've got tessellated on screen or how how much you've just destroyed your GPU, because you can make you can make art at kind of any any sort of technical level. Mm-hmm. You know, Journeys is the fantastic example. It's, it's an incredibly pretty game. It's not breaking, you know. It's not breaking the boat. You don't need a, you know, a giant rig to run it. Mm. The sound was pretty, though. It, it sound it was pretty, but <laughs> it's, from a from a mechanics, from like a, from an actual technical point of view, they've mm. gone. We'll, look, we we'll, We want to make a game, mm. and we want to make a game that you can play on all these platforms because we want to we want to release it to a wide mm. audience. You know, that, if that's your focus, and we want to make it run as a game, and then l- let's make a style that we want to make it look pretty. But let's, you know, let's engineer that around it and, yeah. and that's something that I really like about Epic Ops is because it, it does just look fantastic and one thing I wanted to ask is because you mentioned the 2D um, the 2D inspiration of of some of the games that it kind of harkens back to um, was a conscious decision to make an almost because it's sort of a 2D art style in the 3D because of the way it's very silhouetted and very cut out um, and I thought that was an interesting kind of interesting if it was a, a conscious decision to do that as a yeah. Kind
1: of not towards yeah absolutely uh yeah it's great that you recognize that. It's exactly what we wanted to do we wanted to make a game that grab people's eyes that you know if you walk past it, it's gonna grab your eyes at least for a moment and make you wonder what it is, and that was that was key but um it does, i I love art myself i'm I'm really into it, and uh I think uh if you look at um, David Hockney's The bigger splash painting, mm. I remember looking at that and thinking that that's uh, that will make a great art style in a game. It's beautiful, it's crisp, it's clean, it's clear. And there's, I mean, there's multiple reasons for why we did the art style the way we did it. But, but uh, I mean, one of them was we've had a lot of brown and grey and grim games. Mm. And <laughs> once you see a lot after a while, you want to change, and it's mm. good to shake things up and do something different. And mm. uh, I think um, another reason is if, if you look at um, you know, Van Gogh, the Van Gogh painting in the cafe in the evening. And there's yes. that it's beautiful, bright and vibrant. Mm. If you actually look at the location of that cafe now, it's, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't really distinguish it from anywhere else. And what Van Gogh was saying, um, not that painting is not how that place looked on that evening. Mm. It's how it felt. Yeah. That was the key difference. And it's, I think how things feel is a lot more compelling than how they actually look. So you can go for realism. And there's a technical challenge in that. You can get geeky about it. But mm. I think how things feel is a lot more interesting.
0: And I think to me that is, so I, I, uh, after I finished playing Journey, I actually wrote a review uh, pretty much straight after playing it. I kind of wiped the tears away so I could see my keyboard and, and, then, <laughs> and then wrote the review. But, um, you know, ultimately the, the conclusion I came to was I felt the medium that I loved so much had grown up. Um, yeah. and had kind of matured into a legitimate art form, and and I'd always consider, considered it a legitimate art form, but so often you know... The,
2: you need something this, to point you to say, that's yeah, why. Like, yeah, exactly. You <laughs> for know, people uh, who this, don't agree with you, you need something to...
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and and to me, it, it's that it's that thing that I... what I love is listening to, and especially in, in indie development, I love listening to, to games developers who who have a a knowledge and understanding of art and and are bringing that to games. And it's not about trying to kind of find a style that that pleases the most people. It's about finding that that kind of abstraction that has has a clarity of purpose from a gameplay perspective, but also, you know. So what I said, uh, I I was talking to my wife about LA Cops uh, when I got back from Comic Con, and I said, to me, I just felt I could press kind of print screen and hang it on my wall.
2: Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> no, but, but but that's you know. It's it's, true, and that's, that's the yeah. mark of
0: good style. Yeah, and and you know, it's it's that kind of thing. Of because I always had like um, I went through a stage of having kind of pixel art backgrounds, um, yeah. and then I went through through a stage of having kind of vector art backgrounds. And you know, because I, I think from 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 games that 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 kind of idea of setting up a screenshot that that you know that, that is still an industry standard. Whereas I really like the idea of there being such a a kind of construction of art style that says this is this this is artistic. This is something that is used as a communicative tool. It's not just us trying to recreate life. Because I kind of think, well, if you're going to recreate life, what's the point in making games? Um,
1: mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, we should draw inspiration from it um, rather than um, try and be realistic. Mm. Uh, I, I do think the way I approach it is, is, is a bit like a collage artist, to be honest, and, and that includes the gameplay as well. I, I, I tend, to, I'm a bit of a magpie. I take different bits from different things and try and combine them together in ways that make sense and are fun and are interesting and are new. Mm. I think for for me,
2: another aspect of the of the style is it had a it had an element of the Simpsons skin uh, factor to it for me, mm. which is for a reason to the story, the, the reason the Simpsons are yellow, are yellow was. Yeah. A design decision so that anyone who was channel hopping would it would be distinctly different for what, whatever else they see. Uh, yeah, yeah. And mentioning that you know you mentioned the, the kind of grey and grey and brown of the previous generation of of AAA games and and having that kind of saturated style, I'd feel you know you can you just you could flick through a load of things and you can tell what would catch people's eye and and LA Cops kind of embodies that
1: um, stylistically. Yeah, for me. I think we also. Um, broke up the, the shading on the characters to make them slightly ambiguous as some of them it's clear what race they are, some of them it's not and for mm. uh, all, I mean you see a lot of conversations on Twitter and you see a lot of horrific things on Twitter that are just obscene and I, I just thought well why don't we put a load of characters together where it's not clear what their background is and I, I like diversity and I mm. want to see some of that in the game Yeah, I yeah. think it's
2: becoming such a, well such a picked up on thing nowadays It's rightly so because it should be people should be should be represented in, in any art form and especially games which have been very kind of focused so like,
1: alt-up um, white boy, yeah, boy. Yeah. yeah yeah you know and, <laughs> that's, um, and really
2: that's just <laughs> that one gender and not representing other genders or people with the yeah. well, colours that- and and
0: I watched a lecture um, by uh, a young lady who shall shall remain unnamed for for the sake of this podcast. But uh, she was talking about the the representation of uh, females in computer games. And I I genuinely think that, yes, a lot of computer games have ridiculous representations of women. But what I'd argue is I play a lot of games and I don't see many slightly portly, half Welsh guys with glasses running around saving the universe um and i'd quite like to see my represent me represented in games where there's a slightly socially awkward uh chap sitting in the corner trying to order a latte while somebody's you know saving the world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and you know i think you know that idea of kind of the uh the you know abstracting things and and, and uh, i really love the idea of allowing allowing gamers allowing viewers to put their own meaning into things and fill in the gaps i've always been a fan of trusting your audience um and kind of letting them feel intelligent and empowering them and even if that is from an art style perspective whether that's from a story perspective whether that's from a gameplay perspective um you know people people do fill in the gaps um and you know i think it's one of the really interesting things is that we are at a time when gaming is at its well, the biggest it's ever been, and there are very few iconic characters from this period. Um, mm. You know, I mean, Altaïr, you know, is, and you know, the kind of Assassin's Creed guys, are arguably probably, uh, along with Master Chief, the two kind of big ones to have come out the last kind of five years, and they're they're quite and comparative the to the
2: yeah comparative to the the other, kind of the, the icons of gaming historically, mm. they, they, they don't really compare. No. You know, there's some very nice costume designs going on with Assassin's Creed, but as a character, mm. it, it's just really a costume, to be honest. And, and likewise with Master Chief. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a cool costume, but...
0: But also, I, I think what's interesting on that is, so to me, this idea of kind of a costume,
2: like... to oh, is for of the gamer the... to be the kind of... The whole they're playing
0: through the concept sort of approach to character in unit, but yeah, but, but no, but it, so to me, the, the greatest character reveal of all time is Samus. Yeah, um, you know, the, and Agreed. what I loved about that was it was very much a thing of it was it was challenging a stereotype that was established by by the gamer, and that's what I loved about that, and I, and I think you know it was there's a reason why that's still talked about. Um... Sorry, what game is that?
2: It... Uh, uh, it's from Metroid. the Metroid series. Ah, uh, yeah. Because until was it Metroid and Metroid Two? Was it Metroid Three? I,
0: I think it was two. Um, and she takes her. So basically, you know, everybody was convinced that this this was a guy that you were playing as. And then the end of the game, she takes her helmet off, and it's a woman. Yeah. And it's just such a nice rep- But I am completely aware that you've come on to talk about your game. And we're now talking about Metro.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome yeah. to Doomray. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so you know, so 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 the art style choice, you know, I
2: I love, it and I think it, it's very striking. The, the choice about how you're representing the characters, hmm. um, as well as in, in doing that torso, like you mentioned, as a uh, using the sort of the – what's the words I'm looking for? Use your words, <laughs> um, Toby. The design language from those, from those kind of buddy cop shows that you've taken mm-hmm. influence from and, and having the kind of characters that would appear in, in those. Uh, I, I think Kowalski's probably my favourite name so far of any of the, <laughs> <laughs> But having that kind of – it just sort of well, – it, it's world-building, isn't it, by having characters that are kind of everyday Yeah,
1: yeah, but then I I think it's a really interesting point because you're right. I mean, thinking back to the eight bit days, the sixteen bit days, game characters were a lot more diverse. Bizarrely, if anything, they become more homogenized and androgynous and uninteresting. Mm. Like, uh, I can think. I'm just thinking back to a range. You obviously got like. Um, with Bobo, uh, the French game North and South. Uh, a lot of the French games had strong characters in them that were just you know, bald heads or comb overs or mm-hmm. portly or um, Monty Mole or Trolley Wally or mm-hmm. there was thing on a spring. They're just bizarre characters that you just don't get now.
0: No. and I, and I think weirdly as well, there's this um, there's this kind of fashion for complete, you know, like you say, that kind of androgynous character, that kind of featureless. Just kind of middle ground, where <laughs> it's kind of like they're yeah, raceless. They're... Think about the Lucasarts games,
1: mm. all the characters in the Lucasarts games, from Full Throttle, like, Guybrush Three, Three yeah, and yeah. gun, of course. I mean, they're not, they're not ch- well, Full Throttle guy is, but he's he's a caricature of that, and yeah, he's that's what makes to be, entertaining. Yeah. Not, his just
0: yeah, and and I think you know, so, so to me, this was. It was, it was one, and that's why people are, and I'm thinking back even to things like Baldur's Gate and those kind of games, that had phenomenal characters in, from, you know, space hamsters to, to, <laughs> to you know, to, um, oh, what was the, uh, Planescape Torment, where there's, you know, so there's some amazing characters in those games. And they are, you know, so it was one thing that, that Toby and I were, were talking about was, uh, a few a few weeks back was this idea of you're now kind of create your hero, and weirdly you never care as much for a hero you've created as a hero you're given. And just yeah. by kind of yeah. changing the name, you take ownership of that character anyway. Mm. But
2: yeah, for me, one of the games I cared the most about the characters, which is a surprise to me, was the um, the recent XCOM game, mm. where all the characters visually are completely generic. Generic male, female, uh, alien, task force soldier, but just the fact that you get to name them, and then when stuff happens and you name them, you grow attached to their name. Mm. So you know you remember that that sergeant, whatever his face, did this awesome that thing a, that one time. That was time. a
0: terrible name, Toby.
2: Oh shush you! Oh, um, <laughs> we, we had a sergeant Jenkins. That was, or he became a colonel, I think, eventually, and they died, and that was tragic because I'd grown attached to Colonel Jenkins. please tell me his first name was leroy it was leroy yes Um, despite the fact that he had no actual you know he had no he had no narrative he had no character development beyond the fact that we played the game together and and he killed loads of aliens um and got his team out of some really clutch you know bad 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 places hard play situations he yeah. developed a character or he developed a, an attachment that I had to that character. And then the fact that I could lose him made it even more kind of real. Um, yeah. Because yeah. he had been a noob and everyone had died around him. So this was and, this and was one an interesting thing, I think.
0: And this was one thing I was actually going to suggest for LA Cups. And if there is a way of kind of exposing this that I haven't discovered and it's in the game, I apologise greatly. But character bios would just be amazing that tell yeah. the, the tragic backstory of
1: character we have
0: written character files we, so we should probably put them in there <laughs> well it's what encouraging to know anyway. <laughs> and if if you could if you could do some form of animation with kind of vaseline smeared you know kind of brought up on the mean streets of LA you know that kind of yeah. um, and all of them have to be orphans that's uh. That's the other thing. There, was, there, was, there was a there was a great oh, nice. study done into uh, Dungeons and Dragons characters, uh, where they took where they took I think it was like a hundred thousand Dungeons and Dragons characters that had been you know everybody kind of sent in their uh, their old character sheets to to Wizards of the Coast, and, <laughs> and it was like it was something ridiculous like eighty six percent of Dungeons and Dragons characters were orphans. Really. <laughs> I just I love them. It. Well all superheroes are orphans. You know. That's true. <laughs> but um but no, so you know, I think to me it's I you know I I'm I've been really impressed with LA Cops and I'm really excited to, to see, you know, where you're kind of going with it and um and also it's just it's it's very nice to have an early access game that feels so complete. Um you know, I think there's a level of polish there that uh, you and you and all the chaps and chapettes at uh, Modern Dream should, you know, be very proud of.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate that. It's a lot of hard work went into it, so it's nice that you like it. <laughs> <I> <laughs> if no one time. else does. <laughs> at least, wanna, no, we've had a lot of good feedback. It. Um, yeah, I mm. really, really appreciate that because the last thing we wanted to do was put something out that people hated. We wanted to make a game that people like to play. It's, it's not a game for us. It's a game for other people, and we've always remembered that.
0: Mm. And is there, is there any is there, is there kind of a significant update uh, that that we should be looking forward to, or or is it something that you're just going to keep iterating on?
1: Um, so we've just done update one. We've added some more levels. We're going to keep doing um, updates on regular basis. We'll um, try and keep them um, together, and uh the next one we're in for uh at least one more level and to have the um AI uh, move the friendly AI around if we get those two in I think those would be two interesting things that mm. uh, will take up the gameplay for the next the next release
0: yeah and and I think as well you know that is a well it's a game changer isn't it that's a, that's a huge very significant um update that that will bring um a, a very very interesting kind of new string to your bow and i think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that how that affects it
1: um yeah yeah it's uh i mean we're, we've got a kind of like a road plan not not just for helicopters, but beyond and we're kind of on this journey and we've kind of got this vision of where we're going and it'll become apparent over over this game and future games
0: mm. and that, so exciting. is it is it something that you, have you started looking Looking at kind of new projects, or have you got kind of big plans for LA Cops? And then you know that's something you're going to be looking at further down the line.
1: Yeah, obviously, our main focus is on LA Cops at the moment. But we are thinking about oh, what's next and uh, mm. what kind of games those will be.
0: So, the Flappy Bird clone should we be looking at for oh, Christmas yeah. this year?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have a portly gentleman with a comb over.
0: Yeah, well. w- can you call it shameless
2: cashing?
1: Shameless. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, that's <your laughs> gonna be my next. The next character I make it anything, it's gonna have to be called Shameless Catching <laughs> Or she- Shameless I- Catching I- is
0: quite Shameless Catching That would um, be. <laughs> <the year.
1: laughs> but, He's um, done a new game, was not it? The guy that did Flappy Bird. He's released a new one. I can't remember what it's called.
0: <laughs> yes, it ca- yeah. is it called Rotary Copters or something? Or something. Spiral Copters? And it's literally exactly the same game. <laughs>
1: is it really?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah sad it's times gross. um <laughs> but um one of the, sorry just quickly i i once read an article that had the audacity to call flappy bird the demon souls of ios and <laughs> if i ever meet the man who wrote that article i will punch him in the throat that's and delicious. if you're listening that's a promise you set this up the grudge match yeah, yeah. <laughs> pay <Yeah>. for view. <laughs> we rate if you, were, if you if you know, if you if you if, you if you if you are ready to go to town with a with a portly geordie gentleman um although really I'm a smoggy but anywho it's all semantics um but yeah no sir so ollie absolute pleasure having you on, and um I'm sorry we we talked at you so much. <laughs>
1: that's good i love love talking video games
0: (laughs) and um you know maybe maybe it's something we could do in the future that you know for the next update you can come come along and and just uh just fill us in on what to expect and uh we can we can have a chat
1: that'd be awesome love to
0: excellent and toby as ever thank you that's all right Um, pleasure to be here yeah (laughs) um but yeah so um Over the next few weeks, um, so next week, um, I'm going to actually be releasing uh, a kind of previously recorded one that we've been sitting on, uh, which is a soundtracks uh, podcast, which will be interesting because we may be sued horrifically um, and never, (laughs) ever, ever be able to work again. Um, So hopefully that won't happen and everybody will be groovy about us using all their soundtracks. Um, And if not... um, Ollie Clark is not affiliated, uh, with, uh, with, with, uh, with Doom anyway. Keep me uh, out of this It yeah, yeah, should, be, should be free from the long arm <laughs> of the law And my name is actually Shameless Cash <laughs> <laughs> You know what For your next birthday I'm actually going to change your name By default to Shameless Cash I'm pretty sure I had to do it I didn't think you could do it for someone else Really? Ah, oh, Why ruin my dream um, But yeah so uh, so next week's going to be uh, The uh, soundtracks Because I will be in a caravan In the middle of nowhere and despite the fact that I have done a podcast from a caravan in the middle of nowhere that was disturbed for a half an hour break whilst I tried to get seagulls off my roof, um, I've, I've decided to not do caravan-based podcasting. Um, so, so, uh, so yeah. So,
1: podcasting. It sounds like extreme podcasting. It
0: does. It does. It also sounds like a really bad offshore accountants firm set up by shameless Cash. Um, yeah. <laughs> Best d and character ever. Are we? Are we not writing a game here? I feel we're onto something. Oh. Okay. I feel I should be taking notes. <laughs> yeah. it's all, well, I'll, uh, I'll tweet you the,
2: the footnote to the end. <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but thanks everybody for listening, and uh, and we'll see you again next time. And uh, Ollie,
1: absolute pleasure. And Toby, thank you as always. Well, you're talking.